Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Lynn Hayes Freeland, how are you? I'm great, Marty. How are you? you Fantastic. Know, I, I, think, I think about that question yeah. when you say that, you know, is ev- does everything have to be about race? Because I'm often asked that question. All day long. And, you know, there are some people who back when Barack Obama was uh, elected, they were saying, well, now we don't have the issue of race. It's like, no. Post-racial America, it was called. Yeah. And I think the election of an African-American president just made, in many ways, things worse. Because there are a lot of there were a lot of feelings that people had about that that began to come out, and then it just kind of continued through the next administration. Um, well, hold on, I got to address that. My friend Ron, who's in the Secret Service, says, and and he was um, on the detail with Obama, mm-hmm. said he was the most threatened president in American history. Right. And that's what I'm saying. I think that, you know, while you had this whole group of people out here saying, we have a black president, everything's great. I don't see color. Well, first of all, I want you to see color. I want you to see that I'm a black woman. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but I want you to see me for who I am. Uh, But absolutely, the election of Barack Obama brought out race-related feelings. I think in some cases that people had buried so far away they didn't even no, realize they were still there. No, you're right. Yeah. So no, Ron Layton's absolutely on point with that. So so I gotta address something because this is what I get all day long. And I don't think folks are racist. I just think they're making observations. Here here's the contention. Here's the argument. Here's what I hear every day. Everything's black now. Three Academy Awards um hosts, black. All the singers at the Super Bowl, black. I'm so sick commercials, black. I'm so sick of black shows, right? Am I wrong here? I hear that too. I'm, I'm so sick of black people. And if you're white, you're I out. Say. Here's what I say. Imagine all that is is a flipping of the script. Yeah, it is. Because those of us who are black and brown have lived in predominantly white environments our entire lives. Yeah, yeah but it's almost like it's, no, it's not almost like, it's happening so fast and so much. White folks are really having a hard time adapting. Would you not say that's true? I, I do think that's true. But when you say so fast, look how long it took. No, to no, I, you're so right it's again. not fast. Yeah. You know, it is not fast. And I tell people all the time, I spent my whole life being the only black person in the room, the only true. black person in the class, true. the only black person here, the only black person true. there. And... If you have not been that person, the only one, you don't know what that feels like. No, no. And you're right again. Uh, Your good friend and mine, Bill Sawyer, says you don't want us to see color, but you do. Is he right? 
yeah, I don't even know. I don't know that most black people will say we don't want you to see color because I don't, like I said, I want you to see that I'm a black woman. I want you to understand that what I'm bringing to the table is my life experience, my perspective as a woman of color. And it's going to be different than yours as a white guy. I don't know how many times I've had to deal with a management at my station and I'm trying to make this argument about why diversity matters, why it counts. And then I look across the table and everybody at the table is a white guy. So, of course, you have no clue what I'm talking about. You don't get it because you've never had that experience. And I think, and tell me I'm wrong, one of my favorite Americans ever, Harold Hayes, Mm -hmm. he knew what we were talking about because he lived it too. Sure. But Harold made it into a joke rather than being angry all the time. Right. Is that fair? Is it fair that he did that or is that a fair assessment? Is that a fair assessment? It is a fair assessment, I think, to a large extent. But yep. here's what happens. I think that, like anything else, we all have coping mechanisms. Right. And you got to find the one that works best for you. So there are some people who are going to fight you and challenge you on everything you say. There are some people that, you know, Harold had a very has a very dry sense of humor. So a lot of times Harold's making a joke here, but you walk away and, you, and people are like, wait a minute, did he just say such and such? Uh, because he turned that around sometime on you. So I think you have to find what the mechanism that works for you. How about, how about they come after you? Oh, here we go again. Nothing but black. And she hung out with Elsie Hillman, a billionaire, and, and went to parties at her place and lived like a millionaire. Is that fair? You know what? I um... But you know this too, right? Oh, I know. I get yeah, it yeah. all the time. And here's the thing. I have often wanted to uh, post my family pictures so that people could see my great-grandmother who was a white woman who happened to marry a black man in the 1800s in Prattville, Alabama and moved to Pittsburgh because of the threats that were directed at her family. My great-grandmother's family saw my mother one time and said, don't ever bring that brown baby back around us again. So when people say that I hate white people and all this other stuff, I'm like, you don't know my history. People say you hate white people? Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. Damn. I get it all the time. See, I wouldn't like them. And it's like, you don't know my history. You don't know my story. I've done, um, you know, the DNA and everything. I know how much of my... Hayes is an Irish name. Hayes has Irish roots. Um, so just because I am supportive of black people, black causes, doesn't mean I'm anti-everybody else. So so my friend Bob, and he listens on a regular basis, and I would argue, not argue, say he's conservative. So I guess the flipping of the tables is okay with Lynn Hayes Freeland. How disgusting. Flipping of what table? What are we flipping? Everything's black now. That's the argument. (laughs) Everything isn't black, first of all. But because there is now a movement to be more inclusive, because it's been a white male club all this time, so you get a couple of members and you feel like they're taking over. That ain't what's happening. But people feel that, right? They do. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't make it right. No. It just doesn't. So, I think, and I know... There's a turn off, a turn off for, I don't know if they're racist white folks, but they can't stand it. Like the halftime of the Super Bowl. Man, <laughs> you should have read my comments. I saw my own. I, I, you <laughs> know, I mean, it was everywhere and I get it. But, you know, again, uh, there's a context for so many things. 
when you think about the fact that the Super Bowl was in L.A. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. When you think about the fact that these performers are West Coast people, this was home. This was all coming home for them. And, you know, people were like, ah, I couldn't understand a word they said. Well, I didn't understand half the words they said either, but I didn't hate it. You know, but because that gave you an out, that gave you an excuse to say you hated it. But it's like, come on. And and now all of a sudden this big debate, what was the best of all time? Who cares? Who cares yeah, what I was don't. the best halftime performance? Who gives a damn if Eminem kneeled? Exactly. I got stuff going on in my life that's more important. I got way more important yeah. stuff to worry about than Eminem. And why, he, and yeah, I mean, it just, I don't get it. But again, it opens the door for that hatred to come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And folks, it's easier to let it out than keep it in and do some internal soul searching yeah, as yeah. to what this is all about. Where uh, does it come from? All right, so, so I, I have friends who would say, this makes us more divided, not closer. All this blackness people get angry about. What do so, you say? So whose problem is that? Yeah. Whoever so, makes it their problem, that's what so I say. So because I'm now allowed at the table, you feel more divided because I now can have a voice? You feel like that's dividing the country? May, you know, I mean, it's just like, uh, I'm going to... Uh, it's just like when people, when the whole Make America Great Again slogan started, <laughs> most black people felt like, when was America great? When was it great for black people? Lynn H. Freeland, you're cool with this, right? This conversation? Yeah. Absolutely. She never has a problem with anything we discuss. But I think this is important because the Super Bowl and the halftime brought this out again. It did. And I think that, I think it should have made a lot of people step back and do some self-reflection, but it doesn't happen. No, it makes doesn't them angrier. They dig in. Yep. 866-391-20. So, folks, honestly, there's a segment of America that's fed up with the blackness of now we're seeing. Fed up. What do you say, folks? I need honesty here. 866-391-20. Well, um, you know, I told you this, Lynn. I have friends, guys that I love, quite frankly, that I trust. As soon as I hear your voice, they turn off. I'm sure. I'm sure. But, that, but what do you learn from that? What's anyone going to ever learn? Well, if you're turning off an opposing viewpoint, you don't want to learn. Right. You don't want to learn. And so no one benefits. That's right. all I'm saying. Yeah, ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that you stop trying to send the message. You stop trying to, to share a message. I tell people all the time that... I don't, you don't have to agree with me. I don't have to agree with you. But as we have the conversation, as we have the dialogue, who knows, we might get a different perspective. But you got to have the conversation to even get to that point. Lynn Hayes Freeland joining me today every Tuesday, and I love it. I, I really have enjoyed it. It's been a blessing for me. Vicki, go ahead. Uh, yes. Uh, Lynn is talking about uh, problems with being the only black. How about being the only female? Um, in your profession. And you know I, what? I found that... Oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. I uh, The profession that I'm in, I was one of the only females and had to really endure a lot of uh, raunchy talk and other things like that. And um, I think it's tough. I think it's doubly tough for you being black and female. Uh, but I think that... Um, that the females really have had a, a rough time over the many years. I would wholeheartedly agree. I've often told a story about one of the first times I went to a police, a Pittsburgh police, 
press conference, and the chief at the time said, let's take the question from the little girl in the front. Well, it didn't even dawn on me that he was talking about me. I'm looking around like, who's the little girl in the front? And when then was I this? Was what, do you remember when, when was this? What? This would have been in the 90s. Okay. This would have been in the 90s. Okay. And I was outraged when it dawned on me that he was talking about me. And I can also remember going to my management on the TV side and saying, every time a political candidate, every time a presidential candidate comes into the city, you put a white male on that story. Do you not think that women can cover presidential candidates? And again, as I said to you earlier, Marty, I'm sitting there talking to a table full of white men, and I can see they just glazed over because they didn't even get why I was making that argument. Uh, Vicky, you mind telling us what profession? Um, I'm a physician. A physician? Mm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's yes. that's, oh, yeah. that's uh, yeah. Oh, that's the old that's the that's the old boys club. Oh my, that's rough. That's yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Kathy. Jump in here, please. Hi guys. Hey, I just want to piggyback. Um, Lynn took the words right out of my mouth because um, how about a white person? walk into a black establishment and you're the only white person mm-hmm. and pe- how do you think black people feel when they're the only black person there and people are looking at them like what are you doing here but i'm going to make a comparison and it's kind of apples and oranges but um if you go back to like when a kid gets bullied and they let it go on they let it go on they let it go on or um and then when they do make the correction they do a 360. It's like, uh, oh, well, kids can't make like a little gun, uh, you know, with their hands. Like we used to play cops and robbers mm-hmm. in the backyard. Then, oh, you can't, a kid can't do that. So they overreact. Um, so um, I had somebody say, oh, what would somebody do if there was an all-white halftime show? And I said, there have been all-white <laughs> halftime shows. A lot. Like, where have you been? Right. You know? Yep. Mm-hmm. So I just um, it's it's like um, they they think it's oh it's all all the time now all the time now all the time now. Well, black people have had like you said, Lynn, all of your life you've been living this. Mm-hmm. So that's all I have to say. No, it's been uh, from a guy who spent his whole life in the media as a white guy who's found great success, quite frankly, mm-hmm. in an all-white male talk world, quite frankly. Um, I, I live it, and I don't deny it. I don't know that I ever got a job because I was white, but... But wait I, a minute, wait a minute. Let me stop here for a second. Yeah, yeah. Black people don't get jobs because they're black. Right. You know, um, and that's even as you look at this whole controversy about the uh, Supreme Court justice. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden it's like, well, why can't uh, the, the nominee just be the most qualified? Right. Why can't the most qualified get the opportunity and that's what people are talking right. about. Affirmative action doesn't mean you get the job because you're black. It means that you at least get to be interviewed. That's what part of this battle with it the has NFL happened. is about. In Dallas, when I was there, white officers got passed over big time by black officers. And they had much higher test scores, the white officers. And they won in federal court. And that makes people mad. It makes them mad. It does make them mad. But what? Black people aren't supposed to get mad because they never got interviewed. No, no. They never got to, I mean, you know. But, but they this never has created angst in America, I tell you. It's palpable. Well, you know, some people will argue that part of the tension, the stress in this country is the realization that within 10 years, 
minorities are going to be the majority, and there's no panic going on about that. There's panic in Lynn the streets. Hayes Freeland, folks, hang in there. I love this conversation. So does she, right? Absolutely, cool? yeah. Cool. Right back. Whew. So Lynn comes on here and starts all this trouble. <laughs> I'm just a white guy trying to get by, man. Uh, you're just well. Wait a minute. You know, even sometimes I have people say to me, "You know, you all talk about this white privilege thing. I've never had white privilege before in my life. I came from a poor family. We were a pull ourselves up by the bootstraps." It's like, but <laughs> the fact that you're a white male in many circumstances gives you a privilege that I've never had. Yeah, yeah. I've sat. You know, and I, you know, I've sat in rooms with multiple billionaires, mm-hmm. and I'm not dropping names, but like Mark Cuban and mm-hmm. and T Boone Pickens and Ross Perot, they were friends. And I think, you know, I might not think that was a privilege of mine, but it was. Sure. Because sure. I am the man. <laughs> oh, hold on, Bill, go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm racist as much as. In the 60s, when I was growing up, I can remember being on the north side, and there was a race riot. And that made a big impression on me as a youngster. And I don't consider myself racist, but I'm always in fear of that. You are in I can fear. Remember the, I'm sorry, the Bill. police getting it's... us out of a restaurant. I'm sorry, I'm not quite following you. So because you saw that race riot, I assume then there were people of color involved in that riot. And so that's yes. what you that's what makes you fearful because you saw black people involved that, in a riot? That and the fact that I was mugged one time and it just so happened to be a colored guy. I'm not saying that a white guy wouldn't do it. But in the back of my mind, I think that's always made an impression. Right. At least you're honest, man. And, and by the way, um, he makes an amazing point. So when I was growing up, we lived really close to the railroad tracks in Shadyside. I had a basketball from the boys club and these uh, young black kids took my basketball mm-hmm. and I had to chase them down the tracks and got in a fight. So as a young white kid who had never engaged black kids, all of a sudden, right, I'm afraid of and I don't like black kids. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I got older, I was like, hey, this kid's cool, that kid's cool. My friend Ricky became my man Mm -hmm. at the boys club. Mm -hmm. And what he's saying is, right, you establish these walls early, right? Well, but it goes back to what I was saying as well. It's based on your life experiences. So that was Bill's life experience. And I understand what he's saying. At the same time, I can remember the first time, and again, I guess I was just kind of naive. Right, right, right. I remember the first time I went to an all-white sleepaway camp, and this little boy kept calling me Aunt Jemima. It never dawned on me he was talking to me. Uh. I was like eight years old. I didn't have any idea what he was talking about. But the fact that now, 50 years later, I can still tell you about that experience. I can still tell you how that made me feel. So it's all about our life experiences. So so I was a, a, a star in Dallas. Shocking. And I was the police reporter, and I led the news every night. Mm-hmm. We had an amazing African-American anchor named Ramona Logan. She came to me one day and said, Marty, I love you reporting. You're the man, which I was, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> but every night on the news, I was showing black folks in handcuffs because mm-hmm. I was the street reporter, drug arrest. Right. She gave me a phone book of all African-American doctors, lawyers. Mm-hmm. I was insulted, but she was right because... And you're in Dallas, there's 10 million people. And every night, this Marty Griffin kid is showing black people in handcuffs. In handcuffs. So right. everyone in Dallas, 
millions of folks think what? See, and take that a step further, because if you don't have any other interactions with people of color, right. the only image you have is the people that you see on the evening news right. and the handcuffs. So there's right. no balance. There's no, right. no, there's not a Blaine Jones. There's not an attorney. There's no. not a doctor. There's not a Stephen Evans at UPMC. If you don't have that balance, then that's, that is going to be your perspective. And, and by the way, we're responsible in the media. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that all media needs to be held accountable for yeah. that. Look at your shows. Look at yeah, yeah, look yeah. at the stories you're doing. Look at how many people are in handcuffs or mugshots, and then how many financial advisors are you using? How many professionals are you using to counter that? So that maybe somebody at home sits there and says, "Oh, black people do all kinds of things." Fascinating, actually. David, go ahead, man. Yeah, two things. The first thing is, I'm a, I guess I'm an older white man now, I guess. I hate to admit that. But <laughs> I work, I put my boots on every single day, and I don't see all the animosity at the workplace between white, whites and blacks like the media makes it out to be. Yeah, there are problems, but us working people, we get along. We go to work together. We, we live together. We drink beers together. We have interracial marriages. I don't think it's bad as the media portrays it. Half hour to an hour and a half every day of negative news. How about a news show with a half hour or 45 minutes of good positive news? Might change the way people feel in this country. When you dwell on the negative, that's what you end up having is negative thoughts and actions. That's Really, all I gotta say. No, by the way, I love the call and I love his attitude. I do too, and and um, I mean, I think you're right. I think there is certainly a a place for more good news, more balanced news. Um, but no one watches it. I was going to say, but people uh, don't watch it. I'm trying to be honest, it. David. The research um, and the ratings, yeah. no one watches oh, I, it. I get it. Like, but like I said, I would, I just want to make that point. Forty, fifty hours a week, every week for the last thirty years, more so now. Be, be on. I'm just being honest. No, no, cool. Black folks are in the workforce now. There's really, every now and then you'll have a problem, but for the most part, it's get the job done, go home to your families, and do whatever you got to do. I think that's what America really wants, at least the working America, anyhow. I think, I think you're spot on, brother. So here's the one thing I'm going to say about that, David, um, because I know that most of the work environments, I mean, other than some of the issues that I've described in terms of the workers, the people who actually do the field work, you know, the people who are out there every day, they are good relationships, but usually at 5 o'clock when the day is over, everybody goes back to their neighborhood. They go back to their homes. I remember someone said to me one time, I was putting together a guest list for something, and they said to me, they were like, why do you have all these people on your guest list? They've never invited you to their home before. You've never been to their home before. Why would you invite them now? And I said, because they're my friends. And they said, no, friends invite each other to their homes. Ha! Hey, man, she was at Elsie Hillman's boat. She's a billionaire. Don't let her kid you, man. Love the phone call. Right back. <laughs> wow. This has been uh, very interesting. By the way, I thank you for being honest and um, just hanging out there. Well, here's the thing, Marty. I think if, if sometimes we could just have honest conversations, we'd all be better for it. But we don't have honest conversations. So, so she mentioned something this morning that I think is important because it hit me and I got my phone about six or seven of my friends that I use on this show that are African-American that I communicate with uh, sent me texts 
my man Van, who's out there on the streets. He, Anthony, who was the Black Panther, all of them said the same thing, uh, that <clears throat> we have two worlds. So we released a video last night of a kid at a hockey game going up in the stands, punching someone out. Mm -hmm. And everybody came after me saying, he's a minor, take down the video. Right? Right. My friends who are black said, blank, blank that, Marty. No one seems to care when you present these videos of black kids doing mm -hmm. similar things. Mm -hmm. Is that fair? I think that it is a fair criticism, absolutely. I mean, you know, and that was my first thought. I yeah. mean, I was outraged that the initial response on your Facebook post was, you didn't blur him out, why are you showing this kid? He's a minor. But it's like, but you all didn't feel that way when it was in the hallway of Brashear. Brashear. You didn't feel that way when it was here, when it was there. And again, it's Kerrigan. that yeah, double standard. No, it's, it's that double standard that we go through life with and that's why it gets so frustrating when people say you're all black all the time. Well, somebody has to stand up. <laughs> somebody has to say has to call you out on it. <laughs> Who's that? TJ, go ahead. Hey, Marty, real quick. I'm, I appreciate you putting me on air. I'm Don't be a jerk now. Don't be a jerk now. No, I'm not a jerk. Right. Hey, Morty, I wanted to say, uh -huh. Pittsburgh Public Schools offering 35 students of color, you have to be black, you cannot be white, to, a full scholarship to be teachers, in the, and, and, and you have to give five years after you graduate college. They're going to pay for your tuition, but if you're white, they're not going to do it. That's in-your-face discrimination. Is that accurate? I, I don't know. Is that true? I don't know. I'm not sure of all the ins and I outs apologize, of this. Anthony. But I, let me just say this right TJ, off thanks the for the call, though. I appreciate you not yelling at me. Go ahead. Here's the Thank issue. Here's the issue. There are not black teachers in the in the schools. There right. are not, and black so, male teachers in particular. That has a domino so, effect. If your kids don't see black teachers, black so, professionals, it has a domino effect. So it's not discrimination. It's trying to level the playing field. What by offering people of color uh, something and not offering white kids the same? That you're, you, that's reverse discrimination. It's but discrimination, there, and you're just you're not actually seeing the big of, picture. There are uh, I do see the full picture, and I know what happens fair. when it's, it's I, I know what happens when black kids don't see black teachers. I know I'm, what I'm, happens I'm, I'm when black I'm, males don't see black male educators. So I I, I believe bring, that anything. Part of the criteria for them to hire the last superintendent for the Pittsburgh Public Schools that just left, you had to be black. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait a minute. That is blatantly that, not true. Right. That's blatantly not right. true. I appreciate the call, and I love doing it, and I thank you for doing it. And that's the first time he's called in a long time and used his own name. It's a big step for him. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know that backstory, so we I'm going to leave that alone. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's true. He hasn't used his own name in like five years. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.